people, they see me testifying in front of legislatures. They see me, you know, uh, do, you know, doing these videos on social media or they, you know, see me sort of tearing down the arguments of, you know, pro-choice activists or whatever. But there's also another side to me that I think people don't see very often. And that is this motherhood part of me, this wife part of me. And that really is my vocation, right? Like my vocation is not to be a pro-life activist. My vocation is to be a wife and mother. What is going on, America? Welcome back to another episode of the Flex Your Freedom podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Look, we have a little bit of a controversial episode for you here today. We're going to be talking about abortion. It's a hot topic across the country right now being discussed throughout all the news media. People are protesting over all because of the leak that happened at the Supreme Court, which has never happened before, I might add. Someone leaked the opinion of the court about how they might, they might possibly overturn Roe versus Wade. So we thought this would be a really great time to release our podcast episode with Abby Johnson. We've long admired Abby Johnson for the courageous and authentic way she's navigated her transition from leading one of the busiest Planned Parenthood abortion clinics to becoming one of the leading pro-life activists in this country. Her newest book, Fierce Mercy, shines a spotlight on a side of the abortion industry not frequently considered by most of us, the humanity, not only of the lives lost to abortion, but to the very people who staff those clinics. From the ways they wind up in that industry to their struggles when they decide to follow Abby's example and leave, Abby works to offer support to those wishing to leave the industry. We shot this episode with Abby live, so members of our Great American Syndicate could watch it live with us. We love that Abby kept it so real sitting in her van while her kids were actually in the mall. And we didn't edit out a glitch of this because that's real life and that's part of adapting to fluid situations. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Abby Johnson. Abby Johnson, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And you and I were just talking, you are sitting in your van because this is real life, man. This is real life and you are a mom of many children. I have four boys and that was a challenge. And uh, you have eight kids and there you are. <laughs> I do, yeah, eight. Yeah, you know what, four was a lot. And uh, when I had four, I remember thinking, this is a lot of kids. And um, yeah, and I have eight and I'm sitting in my huge 12 passenger van and uh, yeah, my kids are, out of school today and um and so yeah and i'm taking my daughter prom dress shopping i can't even believe i'm saying that um that she's old enough to go to prom and uh yeah and so i was like okay kids you're gonna eat chick-fil-a in the food court with your sister and she has some friends with her and uh and i was like and i'm gonna go do this interview in the van and everybody's gonna be happy in the food court until i get back <laughs> That's, that's life, you know, that's so life. great and so important because there are a lot of people and, you know, I'm a mom. We have, we have a lot of moms that watch us, listen to us, and um, it can be hard. It can be overwhelming to try to run a career while parenting. And so you're finding that great balance. I'm going to hang out for a second because you're a little frozen, frozen, but that's also what happens in real life. So it's just me hanging out here. 
hanging out with the frozy Abby Johnson. Abby, I don't know if you can hear me. Maybe you want to hop off and hop back in again. Okay, well, while Abby's frozen and figuring things out on her end, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here on her and why I'm so excited to be chatting with her today or even just seeing her seeing her frozen face in her minivan. Abby is someone that I have long respected. Um, she is somebody who has come in such a full circle in life and represents so much of life for all of us. Um, there she's popping out. She's see she'll pop back in again. Uh, but she was um, one of the youngest directors of a Planned Parenthood clinic. She was working full on, high core committed to the abortion industry and doing her part to grow it. And I know that is a touchy topic for a lot of people, as well as it should be. It is a very deep and profoundly personal issue um, for all of us, whether whatever side of the fence on that, on that you're on. I am on the pro-life side, uh, but I welcome conversations with people from all walks of life, as does Abby which is great because she is someone who gave her life. Here she is again, who gave her life and dedicated herself to that. Right. What's up, Abby? We're going to keep going. I'm just rolling. I'm telling people a little bit about, you know, filling in why I love it. But again, that's real life. Like you are literally taking time out of your day. You have eight kids. You're at the mall with them. You hopped out to be in your van to do this interview. What mom cannot relate to that, especially in the past two years during COVID when everybody was trying to work at home with their kids. I mean, who cannot connect? And I think that just shows, again, um, there's a way around everything, a way through and around, and you just do it, and you you make it work, man. That's it's real life. That is real life. And, um, you know, that's what I tell people all the time. People are like, oh, my gosh, like, how do you how do you do work? How do you do life with all of these kids? And, how do, you know, I have I – mean, we have moms call us all the time on our hotline, you know, who are pregnant, and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to finish school. I don't know how I'm going to – you know, I already have kids and we're barely making ends meet or how do we, and I'm like, you just do it. You just, I mean, you just do life. I mean, and I mean, honestly, God makes a way. God always makes a way. He's always made a way in our life. And it doesn't mean it that life is without sacrifice, but hard doesn't equal bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, having children has been the most amazing thing in my life. It's been the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life, but it has brought me the most joy and the most grace. And, um, and I tell parents all the time, I mean, it's the hard part of having kids is such a short period of your life, you know, and, uh, we're about to be done with all of our kids in diapers. And, uh, and so while I'm like, so excited about that, I'm also recognizing that a huge that like huge chapter of my life, like having small children is about to close. And, you know, you think, Oh my gosh, like waking up in the middle of the night and breastfeeding all the children that I breastfed and all this, like when you're in that moment, you think, Oh my gosh, this is never going to end. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to sleep again. Oh my gosh, I'm going to smell like pee for the rest of my life or whatever, (laughs) you know, and then it comes to an end you know, and then you think, really, that was it? You know, I mean, that was, wow, like this whole entire, this big chapter of my life is closed. Like, I'm never going to smell like pee again, you know, or, (laughs) you know, or another one day. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you just think like, wow, like, I'm almost done having toddlers. Like, wow, I'm, 
I'm almost done doing this. It's not like you're never going to have another hard period of life. I almost, I mean, I have a 15 year old too. And that has its own challenges, but like these challenges in life are almost done. And, um, and so I tell people like, just keep going, keep, keep going, like keep moving through this, this hard period of your life because man, it will be over super fast. In a flash. I remember thinking my husband was killed when when my youngest, my oldest was six years old. So I had a six year old, five year old, four year old, uh, three year old and one year old. Right. And so it was a lot. And I feel like if somebody had told me that I was going to face that and I had the choice, I might have not chosen that path. Right. Like I might have said, no, I could never do that. There was no way I could raise these boys on my own. I, I would have maybe chosen another life. Right. So, but then you're in it and you do it. And then all of a sudden it's over and they're grown and they're gone. And I'm like, where did my babies go? You know, it's so, it's so fast and it goes. And I think that is one of the things I love about, your story and your book is that you give hope to women in particular who are facing the very daunting, very real task of motherhood. And it's a, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And I, I can, in a lot of ways, I guess I can understand why the women would find themselves at your clinics because given, I, I don't know what, I mean, I cannot imagine ever personally going, but who knows, right? If somebody had said to me, Hey, you're, this is what you're going to face and you're going to face all these here, you know, who knows, maybe I would have thought it was better off for these kids or, you know, I don't know, but you just provide such hope and you show women that no, you can, you can get through, even when you think you can't, there's options and there's support and there's love and there's growth. And I think one of the most impressive things about that, and I read all about, I love, i plowed through this book over the weekend. I love it. The lessons that it holds fierce mercy just came out because you speak about a size, a side of the abortion industry. And when we think about abortion, we of course think about the babies and the souls being lost. And that's your first go-to, but honestly, until I heard your story and then especially read this book, Abby, I didn't really give much thought to the people that work there in terms of them needing support. Right. I thought, even when I read your story, I said, oh, that's that's amazing and astounding that she went out. Um, but there are some people who have the will and the strength and the, the soul to kind of take on those battles and go in there. And I think you're one of those people that, not that you don't need help and support, but you were going to do it no matter what, right? Like you're, <laughs> so, but for all those women or people who can't, who, who need that extra guidance and support. I haven't really thought about that. What is the feedback that you're getting on this book? I'm going to put it up here. Fierce, Fierce Mercy. I'm going to get the camera angle right. Fierce Mercy. Um, and for everybody who comments, leaves a review, I'm going to send out a copy of this to the first five people who do, because I think it's such a special, important book. Um, what has been the feedback on, on your book? You know, it's been really positive. I mean, the first two books that I did, Unplanned and The Walls Are Talking, those were really those were really abortion focused. So, I mean, they were, you know, about the unplanned was really primarily my journey in and out of the abortion industry. Um, and sort of like, you know, sort of exposing the abortion industry and, and really talking about my own two abortions and, and then, um, and sort of how I got roped into the abortion industry and how they rope other people into the abortion industry. And then, you know, I did the walls are talking and that was, that was a big expose on the abortion industry. It was like this big compilation of stories from within the abortion industry. 
like anecdotal testimony. Um, and so when I wrote this one, I really wanted to show a more vulnerable part of who I was. And, um, you know, people, they see me testifying in front of legislatures. They see me, you know, uh, do, you know, doing these videos on social media or they, you know, see me sort of tearing down the arguments of, you know, pro-choice activists or whatever. But there's also another side to me that I think people don't see very often. And that is this motherhood part of me, this wife part of me. And that really is my vocation, right? Like my vocation is not to be a pro-life activist. My vocation is to be a wife and mother. And, um, and I wanted to have just a really open discussion about what that has been like for me. Um, the challenges I've had, where I have failed as a mom, where I have failed as a wife, how I've picked those pieces back up, um, how God has shown me incredible mercy in those parts of my life where I have failed. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about the souls of these people who are very unlovable to us, right? How do we love them anyway? And how does God love people that we deem to be quite unlovable? Um, and so there were just so many things that I just really wanted to be honest about and personal about, and I wanted people to see that side of me, I guess. And so I did want to create something that was a little more transparent, a little more vulnerable. And, you know, I think people look at me and they're like, oh, cool. Like she's done all of these things. Like she was a former abortion worker and now she's this pro-life activist and that's great. Right. But that's not relatable to me. You know, like she speaks in front of a hundred, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a year and she had a movie made about her and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is that, yeah, sure. That is me. But the most important part of me is that I'm a wife and a mom and, and there is a part to my life that is relatable for everybody. And, and God's grace has been so evident in my life in all aspects of my life and all parts of my life. And that is the part that I, I wanted people to relate to the most, right? Not just the fact that I worked in an abortion clinic, but there's so much more to me than that. Yeah. How hard was it for you to actually put yourself out there? I mean, in here, you're, you don't hold any punches. You don't try to hide, you don't try to be this perfect being, you're like, no, this is who I was. And this is what I was saying and doing to Doug. And this is how I was with my kids. And this is what I felt or didn't feel. And, you know, it's like, I, I think that you're going to make people just, just almost like exhale in relief, knowing that they're not alone, or that it's okay to feel that way or to be that way or do that thing. But how hard was it? Did you even have to consider when you put those things in I wrote stuff in one of my books that I was like hardly like hardcore judge for and got a lot of hate for so that's why I'm asking to to see what was your response um when you laid that out there and just said hey world this is who I am like, yeah like I, I you know I haven't gotten like any like real backlash for it. like I think for I think for a while like um I think it's actually been really refreshing for people like to see like, oh, thank God, like some, yeah. like, somebody else said it, right? Like, yeah. um, Maybe that's not, it. You say what a lot of women are thinking or feeling. 
yeah, like it's not just me, you know? Um, And I think in another way too, um, I almost think it's, I think it was almost a sigh of relief for some people to know like me personally, that, that I was personally sort of struggling in this way because a lot of people sort of saw me doing this and they were wondering like, is she processing this? Like, how is she doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. and so to see like, no, there was behind the stuff, there was like behind the scenes stuff going on. And like, I was actually struggling with this stuff. Like I, there, there were things going on that like you didn't know about, right? Like I kept on this like big brave face for everybody, but like I, there was all kinds of stuff going on that like people didn't know about. Um, I think that actually made a lot of people in the pro-life movement relieved, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that I had gone through pretty intensive healing, like, because I think people were worried, like this person is out here speaking and she's doing all of this stuff. And like, has she even processed what she's gone through, you know? And so I think for people in the pro-life movement, particularly like leaders in the pro-life movement, when this book came out, they were like, Oh good. Like, we're so glad that that was actually going on, you know, for you because we worried about you. Um, but then I think for like, just like the everyday mom or whatever, they were like, Oh, thank, thank goodness. Like somebody is finally saying this stuff because we've been feeling this stuff too, but people aren't, they don't feel like they're safe enough to say it, yeah. you know, without being judged or whatever. And I've, that ship has sailed so long ago for me, like, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, there is a certain liberation about going through like the maximum amount of intensity that you can go through and coming out the other side, because then you're like, well, you know, everything's nothing's off the table anymore. Like, what's What's the worst (laughs) that could happen, right? (laughs) Potentially happen. And it's like not even close, you know, so you know, you don't even sweat that sweat that stuff anymore. All right, I have one random question to you that you that you had in this book that just made me think. So it may seem like it's coming out of nowhere, but it's not, but cause I'm curious. Um, you talk about picking up the medals for eight years that pro-lifers left at the <laughs> clinic and keeping them. I'm curious, like what, even while you were doing this and so committed to the task at hand and so committed to the course of Planned Parenthood, something in you made you pick up these medals and keep them, even though you had these like back and forth with the people at the gate and all this, like, what was it? that made you grab onto these medals and hold on to them for all those years? You know, I, I don't know. It was like, I think a part of it, like in the beginning, like it sort of started out as pride because it was like, that is my sidewalk. Uh, okay. That's my flower bed. And you are putting crap in my flower bed. And I didn't even know what they were. I was like, I don't even know what this junk is, but like you're putting stuff in my flower bed and I don't appreciate it. And uh, that's mine. Like that's our property. And so get your little hands out of our flower bed. But then like once I started like picking them up and gathering them, like I sort of started to realize what they were. And I was like, oh, like these are kind of nice. Like I, and I was like, I don't want to throw them away. And I had like taken the time to like wash them and like, care for them and so I like had them in this bowl and I would dry them off you know and put them in this bowl and I was like well I don't want to throw them away like somebody spent money on them and and so then I just kept saving them and then eventually it just 
I kept having to change bowls because they just kept, the bowl kept filling up and filling up and filling up. And so, um, yeah. So then like, I, you know, finally when I left, I was like, I don't know like why I'm doing this, but like, I'm taking these metals. Like I have been saving these things forever. I've been doing all the work to dig these things up for, for years, for eight years. So I'm taking these metals with me. And so actually I leaned over to pick up my wallet because I keep, I keep them with me. Like I keep, um, several with me like all the time because, um, this is a St. Michael one. Um, but like, I keep them with me all the time because, uh, I keep a few in my wallet because I always like want if in case, like I go out to a clinic or something to pray. Um, I always want to keep some on me because I like to put them in the ground. Um, if I go out to an abortion clinic to pray. So, um, yeah, I always keep them, always keep some on me. And then I talk about an unplanned, like this, uh, this girl that used to come out to the clinic to, to pray. And one time she left flowers for me and she put a card on the flowers and, um, it had said the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. And I didn't want to take the flowers from her cause I thought that would be weird. And so I like just ran into the clinic really fast. And then she like stood there looking sad with the flowers for like two hours. And then finally, um, she left and she walked to the middle of the driveway and put the flowers in the middle of the driveway. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, well, I cannot let somebody run over those pretty flowers. So I walked out like, like I was going to get the trash can. And then on my way in, I picked up the flowers and brought them in and it had this little card on it. And so I had put the card like in one of those little file mm -hmm. things. I had like stuck it in there. And so on the day that I left the clinic, um, or the day I decided to leave that I went over to the coalition, like she, her name was Elizabeth and she was a part of the coalition. And so I had seen um, that card like poking out and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's the group I need to go to. And so like, I keep that card in my wallet too. Like it's just a reminder and it's like Psalm 126, three. And it just says, I'm praying for you, Abby, love Elizabeth. And so I just like keep little things, you know, just as like a little reminder of like the goodness of God and where I came from and where he's brought me. And, you know, it's pretty amazing. So God's, God's good. And that, I mean, that's really, that's really what the book's about. I mean, it's yeah. just God's goodness and his grace. It really is throughout the whole thing. And I love that too, because we never know what small thing we're doing. We can think that it has no impact that nobody's watching. She could have thought, well, she's just going to throw those flowers. She didn't know what you're going to do those flowers. She didn't know you're going right. to pick that card up and hang on to it. So we just never know what impact we're going to have. And, you know, it'd be a shame not to make the gesture because we think that we just assume that it's not going to matter because almost all the time it matters, I think, in a way that we may not never even know, but it does. Um, all right. And I know we have to wrap it up here. So I'm going to ask you the last couple quick questions. And what is your advice or your words to somebody, um, let's say a, a woman in particular who is facing a pregnancy, facing being a, a mother and un really just scared out of her mind about it, whether she's whatever path she's considering um, motherhood is daunting, you know? Um, and so, especially for the first time moms or moms who are overwhelmed already with a lot of kids or their situations changes or so many situations women are in, we're bringing a child into that just seems like, you know, terrifying. 
So what are your words to women facing that? You know, I always tell women I've over the years, I've met probably tens of thousands of women who have regretted abortion decisions, but I've never met a woman who regretted having her child. And there are many, many, um, difficulties in life. There are, you know, many temporary challenges in life, whether it's financial, whether it's educational or whatever it may be, but abortion is such a final decision to usually a temporary situation. And there are so many resources available for women, people who are ready to help support, who are ready to help accompany people on this journey of life. And um, I always encourage women to look for your local pregnancy resource center. Um, And if you don't know where that is, if you don't know what resources are available to you, I run a ministry myself called Loveline, which is a 24-hour crisis line. You can just go to loveline.com. We have a text number. We have email. We have a phone number you can call. It's a case management program. We would love to help you. We'd love to walk with you um, on this journey and come alongside with you. There's just there's just never a reason to make such a final decision about someone else's life. And especially when there's so many other options and so many people who are ready to support you. Um, and I know it's scary. Like, I mean, I've had crisis pregnancies. I had my twin, my twin girls. I'm telling you what, I was 36 years old. I was married, but they were, six and seven for us. And when I sat there and looked at that ultrasound, I saw there were twins. I was in a state of panic. Like I was in a crisis and, um, I know what it's like to be scared and to be pregnant. Um, but having supportive people along the way and having supportive people to have your back makes all the difference. And we're here to support you at Loveline. So I would say that's one of the first calls you need to make if you're feeling scared and you're feeling alone. Excellent. And we'll put that link up um, in, in this interview when it airs and in the article as too. It's funny you say that I'm a twin. I was number five and my brother and I are five and six for my parents. And they didn't know they were having twins until I came out and there was another one. So my mom can definitely, <laughs> my mom can definitely relate to you well, um, yeah. <laughs> in that one. Um, Abby, again, really, I appreciate you so much for everything you do, for taking the time to be with us today. I was really looking forward to this. I'm touched to uh, have some small part in sharing the work that you do. Um, I love this book. I'm going to keep it and read it whoops, over and over and uh, send it out to our community as well because it's so important. So thank, thank you again. You. I wish you all the best with prom season. I have a stepdaughter who's 16. She's going to the prom. Woo. You know, it's a, uh, I get it. All the steps, all the steps, Abby, they're all crazy in their own ways, but, uh, <laughs> and then, and then they're gone. So enjoy it and have a great rest of your afternoon. Thank you so much. Yeah, have a good one, Abby. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of the Flex Your Freedom podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. I'd like to personally thank Abby Johnson for being here as well. If you got any value out of this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. 
share this podcast with a friend, let people know what we're doing here. Again, the reviews on iTunes and Spotify are really important in helping us get these stories out there in front of a bigger audience. So we appreciate your support. If you could leave us a review again on iTunes or Spotify. If you want to learn more about Abby Johnson, make sure you head on over to greatamericansyndicate.com forward slash podcast. It's a featured podcast episode of the week. We include some show notes there for you to learn more about Abby Johnson and some links there that you can use to follow Abby Johnson on social. If you want to watch the full video interview, you can go to our YouTube channel at Great American Syndicate. And don't forget, we have our community, our association of bold American citizens whose mission is to uphold American values, defend freedom and promote the American dream. And we would love to have you inside. We have a lot of discounts and perks for members, amazing trainings from business owners, entrepreneurs, millionaires, celebrities, you name it, and it's growing. And we would love to see you inside as well. So again, if you want to learn more about our organization and you want to join the association, go to greatamericansyndicate.com to learn more. Again, thanks for listening in today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you really are. <music>